Welcome, Peter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Peter Report podcast, the Pewter post-game show as your Tampa Bay Buccaneers start the season with a win, defeating the Cowboys 19-3 on Sunday Night Football in Dallas, in Jerry World. It was a dominating performance by Tampa Bay's defense. Very entertaining game despite the, the lack of We'll get to everything that we saw from the game. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joining with me is Scott Reynolds, pewterreport.com. And Scott uh, may not have been, you know, uh, an offensive masterpiece, but it was on the defensive side of the ball, and the Bucks clearly did enough on with that unit to uh, secure the victory. Yeah, Matt, this is, uh, you know, this is the first win, right, in, in the Todd Bowles era, and you know, it reminded me a lot of Tony Dungy, right? This is this is like yeah. Dungy ball. We saw the interview with Tony Dungy and, and Todd Bowles before the game. We expected this game to be low scoring, and it was. I thought it'd be 24-20. The Buccaneers almost got to the 24th. If uh, if Ryan Suckup had been into the field goal, it would have been closer to that, uh, that, that score. But at the same time, we, we knew that, that points were going to be at a premium because of these banged-up offensive lines. I think Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich had the perfect game plan, which was to run, run, run Leonard Fournette and take some of the pressure off of Luke Gedeke, who's getting his first start as a rookie at left guard, and the center, Robert Hainsey, getting his first start replacing Ryan Jensen. So I was I was very pleased with the game plan. They stuck to it. We saw Byron Leftwich incorporate some end arounds uh, a couple of times, uh, one failed attempt to Prashard Perryman, but uh, two very good end arounds by Julio Jones, who came up with with uh, 17 yards rushing and 69 yards receiving on three catches, including a 48-yard bomb from Tom Brady. I thought this was a very Todd Bowles-like performance. Matt, we've talked about it all training camp. The Bucs were going to establish the run and run the ball more this year and have more balance on offense and play good defense, and we saw that. We saw, I mean, you want to talk about running the ball. They did that and even more. I mean, 152 rushing yards, yeah. Scott. This wasn't just a good performance. That was a great performance by Leonard Fournette, some of the other receivers on the end of rounds that you mentioned, and, of course, the offensive line, which was a, a patchwork offensive line with the injury to Donovan Smith. But the one thing that I really loved about the run game was the variety of how they did things. They didn't just run yeah. it in between the tackles. They did the end arounds, as you mentioned. They pulled the tackles, Donovan Smith, before he got hurt. They pulled Robert Hainsey on a play right. that led to a good run. And like I said, there was a ton of variety, which is what you can also get when you're drinking a Celsius energy drink, of course, is Celsius is the, the title sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast and the Pewter Post Game Show. Variety of flavors when it comes to Celsius. See the vibes there, the Arctic, Peach, Tropical. You can also get sparkling orange, uh, grapefruit, uh, sparkling kiwi guava. So many different flavors. There's seven essential vitamins. Gives you that energy to step up for a late night podcast when your favorite team wins a football game or has, or if you have a workout, whatever it may be, uh, make sure that you're using Celsius to help you get through it. And of course, you can go in the store locator, find out where there's a Celsius near you, or Buy them in bulk on Amazon. Varieties of Spice of Life. Get the variety pack. Have it sent to your house or apartment every two or three weeks, whatever it may be. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius. Hashtag Celsius live fit. Scott, I think we got to give a lot of credit 
to the Bucks' offensive line. Even though the yeah. offense in general wasn't perfect, only 19 points. Some of that was set up by the interception by Winfield Jr. While they stood with the pass blocking, and listen, it's a tough task trying to stop Micah Parsons. But as far as the run game, as you talked about, sticking to the plan, they ran it to the left side a lot. And we're talking yeah. about Etiki being on that side. So you're trusting that rookie. Um, and then obviously Wells in there at left tackle for a majority of the game. Not only does the offensive line deserve a lot of credit, and Leonard Fournette, of course, but I was really impressed with the tight ends. I mean, Cole Keeft is going to become a household yeah. household name at some point because he had so many key blocks on like Leighton Vander Esch and other defensive players for the Cowboys that really sprung Leonard Fournette free. I think Kate Otten did a pretty solid job. There were times where the Bucks were lining up all three tight ends with Otten, Keith, and, and Cam Braid as well. So uh, everyone really did their part to help get this run game going. And as we mentioned, 152 rushing yards is just a terrific performance. Yeah, I thought Donovan Smith was really excellent in the running game early on. Pass protection, well, listen, he's going up against Micah Parsons, so uh, that was it was a, a tough task right there. But Kate Otten, the guy right next to him, I thought he had a fantastic game as a blocker, threw a great block on Parsons to allow Brady to, uh, to throw a, a deep pass late in the second half. But he also came up with two special teams tackles. He yes. was one of the guys... That, that really stood up on special teams. He and K.J. Britt both had a pair of special teams tackles. And, and then you've also got to tip your hat to Keanu Neal, the veteran safety coming in, playing on special teams as a reserve safety. Uh, he also uh, chipped in, and, and I'm just writing about this in the Peter Report, most impressive, which will be up momentarily. We already have most disappointing up. Not too much to complain about in this opening win, Matt. And, of course, <laughs> Bailey right. Adams is – Game story is already up on pewterreport.com, so check out those stories. But the one thing about uh, Otten that I, uh, or I, sh I should say the special teams that I, I really liked was the fact that when you look at, at Cavante Turpin, this was a guy that, that Todd Bowles admitted after the game really frightened him. He was scared of him. And and we've seen the scary effort by the Bucks coverage units in the preseason kickoff and on punt. They did a great job today, limiting Turpin to just 19.3 yards on four kickoff returns. His long was 22. Uh, Jake Camarda, what can you say about his punting? His first punt, uh, which was technically his third punt, because yeah, his, first punt, <laughs> his first punt hit the, the scoreboard in, in the stadium, which is suspended over the field, so they had to redo that one. Then the guy gets ran into. I thought it should have been a roughing the kicker call. It was running into the kicker. So he had to go back out there and try for a third punt, which he nailed a 63-yarder that uh, was was a touchback. But that's okay because the, the mission was to keep it away from Turpin, who was limited to just one uh, punt return for three yards. And there was other two punts were, were inside the 20. So for Camarda to average 50.7 yards with a 43 net, Two of those punts were inside the 20, which is what you want as a punter, down inside the 20. And the one of those was a 63-yard touchback. I just thought that special teams, uh, when you include the four made field goals, Matt, from from Ryan Suckup tonight, and granted he did miss one, he wasn't perfect, but I thought it was a special performance by special teams. This was a big concern heading into this game. 
Uh, and you mentioned all week about how Turpin is going to be a factor in this game, particularly in the return game. And they made a splash right right at the kickoff. KJ yeah. Britt tackled him like before the 15. Yeah. So, yeah, Brent made two great tackles. Kadon did a little bit of everything, whether it was blocking on offense, making tackles on special teams. So impressed with just the overall kick coverage because I was very concerned. As you said, Todd Bowles was very concerned. We highlighted Turpin, the damage that he could do. And Kamarta, to your point, yeah, it was his third punt. But let's also remember he got hit on the play right before, as you talked about. And that first punt as well, pressure got right up in his face. So he had two punts in a row where got pretty close to, to getting blocked. Now, it wasn't really on him. It was more of the blocking. So to go out there a third time after you just got clobbered, like it getting hit in midair, shoulder you know helmet to to your shoulder to to get off that punt was absolutely great and at that point you know the bucks had built that lead it was more about just not making the mistake you know not turning the ball over giving them good field position which almost happened on the tom brady interception but a huge kudos to the the, the special teams unit because that was a big big question mark going into the game and uh they passed with flying colors, uh, without question. That was a, that was a big change for them. Suck up. I'm a little angry about that he missed that kick. Well, it yeah. was so short. You know, it was what is it, 36 yards? Like yeah. you got to make that. And at yeah. the time, uh, I mean, if that was the one knock, if we want to talk about the offense a little bit, obviously the passing game wasn't fully in sync. But for me, especially in that first half, um, they were just they weren't getting it done in the red zone. Like they did yeah. a great job of moving the ball down, but then their drives would just stop. And you would think a 36-yarder, you'd be good to go, especially indoors. But they yeah. had a they had a really tough time in the first half on third down, particularly in the red zone, those money downs where the Bucks have been so great in the yeah. Brady era overall, but that wasn't necessarily the case tonight. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, Suckup did have the miss, but he made four out of the five field goals. That's, that's still a, a winning performance for him yeah. and the Buccaneers. You just want to see – the Buccaneers convert some of those those uh, red zone opportunities into touchdowns. And, of course, those two sacks by Micah Parsons inside the, the red zone for the Cowboys got the Bucs off the field, their offense off the field, and uh, and then allowed those those field goals from suck-up to happen. But you have to like what the, the Bucks defense did on third downs. Tampa Bay's offense not so much, only 5 of 14 on third down, but the offense generated 347 yards, moved the ball pretty well through the air. Tom Brady, 212 yards, one touchdown, one interception. As you mentioned, Matt Leonard Fournette, 127 yards rushing, 21 carries, had two catches for 10 yards, and a pair of 17-yard runs, which were, were phenomenal runs. Uh, we, we saw Lenny start the game off hot in both the Tennessee game and the Colts game didn't play much in those games just because he's a starter and they only played him a series or two. But he remember he started that game in Tennessee with, a, I think, a 10-yard run, then a 13-yard yeah. run to start the game against the Colts. You could just feel that Lenny was feeling it. He had a great training camp, mm-hmm. and I think he's primed for a big year, especially since Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich. They want to be balanced on offense. Uh, there's going to be some games where Brady's going to have to throw it 40, 50 times the game. And then there's going to be games like this where Brady only threw the ball 27 times because the the defense was 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 getting run on and uh, the offensive line, whether it was Josh Wills in there, the backup left tackle, whether it was the rookie Luke Gedeke, whether it was the the second year player getting his first start in Robert Hainsey, 
whether it was the new addition, Shaq Mason, whether it was Tristan Wirfs coming off that oblique injury, and those tight ends, Co-Keeft, Kate Otten, Cam Brate, this offensive line and, and the tight ends and even the wide receivers blocking downfield did a very good job. The Bucks struggled to run the ball at times last year. Let's see if this can continue throughout the year, this offense being more balanced. Yeah, he saw a lot of blocking. Like even Russell Gage, while he didn't have a you know huge game receiving wise, he was getting some blocks down the field. Uh, that er- the the first play, the screen to Chris Godwin after the false start penalty. Mike Evans had a great block on that play. They also swung out Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith had two great blocks on uh, Trevon Diggs. Obviously, he has the the size advantage, but to be able to move and block a guy like out in space, I was very impressed with what he was able to do there. Um, unfortunately, there were some injuries to offense, um, as you see there. Chris Godwin, who ended up having three receptions for 35 yards, came out with a bang. Because obviously we talked a lot about, you know, it's important for Chris Godwin. He has to absorb that hit and make sure that, um, you know, he can overcome that hurdle, that obstacle, if you will, get hit and go and keep playing. Well, the Bucks tested that out right away. It was first and 15. throw a screen to Chris Godwin. Uh, he moves up the field, gets the first down, knocked out of bounds, somersaults like into the into the like the 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 tears on the side, the bleacher seats, and um ended up being okay. But unfortunately, later in the game, he did he made a catch, moved up the field, and then was out for the rest of the game with the hamstring injury. You saw him kind of you know wave over the the training staff, so you saw he was injured there. And then Donovan Smith first half, unfortunately. A lot of sack Micah Parsons injured his forearm on the play or his elbow. It, it looked like just seeing from the replay and uh, coach Todd Bowles didn't really have an update on either of these players uh, following the game. It looked like Donovan, he allowed the sack Parsons and he like turned to go see what happened. And as he was falling, it looked like his arm hit into the knee of a Cowboys defender that was obviously running towards Brady and where the play was and then he was he was down and did not return so uh two very significant injuries for the Bucks. two key players on this offense that uh hopefully we'll see as the week goes on but two guys that they're going to need for the long ball yeah certainly against the Saints right because their defensive line's always given the yeah. Bucks problems and boy what a comeback win by the New Orleans Saints today on the road they oh, looked geez. terrible yeah. In the first half, even into the third quarter, Jameis Winston was awful. Then in the fourth quarter, everything changed. And the Atlanta Falcons have perfected the art of the choke at this point in time. Atlanta. Yeah, the the Falcons are going to Falcon. I mean, that's just how they do it in the ATL. And it's just, it's such a shame because they really had the Saints on the ropes. But I mean, this is not to be too cliche here, but you got to play 60 minutes. I mean, this is, this is a game that the NFL is geared towards. These these uh, games that come down to the wire, come down to the last two minutes. That's why situational football is so critical. And, you know, listen, you really have to applaud this Todd Bowles team. I thought the discipline with which they played this game was was outstanding. Only five penalties from the Buccaneers tonight. And speaking of discipline, boy, what a game from Devin White. I mean, th- this guy looks like a complete linebacker, right? The, the coverage, yeah. he should have had a pick six, but it was a great pass breakup on a third down play. Uh, I, I just thought he was outstanding tonight, leading the Buccaneers, not just in sacks with two, but also with eight tackles. 
just really sure handed. I listen, PFF's probably going to kill the guy, give him a 30 or the 35 uh, grade tomorrow. That's that's just typical. I'm not sure why they have it in for Devin White. I thought he played a really good game tonight. And what you what you didn't see from Dar- from Devin White was the glaring error. That was the one thing right. uh, that, that you know the blown coverage assignment. Those those types of things. It, it's it's just refreshing in those those blitz opportunities that that he didn't overrun Dak Prescott or Cooper Rush and came home and, and got free on both those sacks. Listen, beat the hell out of Tony Pollard on both of those plays, and that was one of the, the key matchups I had in the Pewter Report Tailgate Show uh, before the game, and also my SR's Fab Five was was Devin White on Tony Pollard, not just in the passing game, but also in blitz pickup and Devin White certainly won the blitz pickup element. Then you look in terms of, of receiving Tony Pollard was basically invisible two catches for 14 yards and then running the ball tonight, six carries for eight yards. I mean, they, they did a number on Tony Pollard and and number 45 get live had a lot to do with that. Get live 45. Yeah. Had the little uh, sack celebration after where he was waving. Yeah. Uh, eight, yeah. Eight tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss and the, the pass breakup, uh, as we talked about on that fourth down play, that could have been a uh, pick six, which it was crazy how that worked out. Like, I'm not trying to be negative here because yeah. the Bucks won 19 to three, but it was a weird, uh, like, domino effect of Devin White got the pass breakup, but it could have been like a pick six or at least an interception where they get the ball yeah. much further down the field. And then Brady throws the interception like a couple of plays later, where it's like, oh, like, the, the obviously the Bucks ended up getting the stop. That could have changed a lot of things because they really have the Cowboys on the ropes there. But I, yeah, I thought Devin white was terrific. I thought the linebackers in general were great. Levante David had a pass breakup in zone coverage uh, earlier in the game in the first half. Another one of those, he had to really jump up to try and get it. And then he tipped it. Shaq Barrett almost intercepted it. And then Jamel Dean was diving as well. Overall, the Bucks defense, which was very aggressive, but it started with Devin white and Levante David. Uh, they didn't, Todd Bowles didn't yeah. mind blitzing. Devin White, of course, which again had to keep Pollard home or Zeke home. And, you know, they didn't really hurt you in the passing game. The Cowboys right. were actually a little bit more effective running the ball than I ever would have imagined, like particularly yeah. with Zeke. It still wasn't like, you know, terrific or fantastic. Right. Well, the, the average, right. Yeah, yeah, the average, you know, 5.2 yards against the Bucks defense. That's, you know, that's not what Todd Bowles wants, right? 10 yeah. carries, 52 yards for, for uh, Zeke, but his long was seven. Then the longest run of the game was a 12 yard run by by Dak Prescott, who finished yeah. with 11 yards and two carries. But when you add up all the numbers, uh, just doing the quick math here, that's 71 yards rushing. I mean, when the Buccaneers led the league back in 2020 with with the, one of the best dominant defensive performances against the run, I think they held. I think their season average was 74 yards. This is 71. That's a hell of a start for this Todd Bowles defense. This was Bowles' ball. And I think we're going to see a lot more of this. This is this is the kind of of game that Tom Brady won up in New England, right? Yes. Um, this is not Bruce Arians' ball anymore, where it's got to score thirty-one points to win the game, and uh, and and in doing so, kind of with these quick deep shots, get your your defense back out there on the field. Um, I think Todd Bowles doesn't want to get into shootouts unless he can avoid it. These nineteen-three wins, he'll take all day long. When you look at, at what Todd Bowles' defense was able to, to do, 3 of 15, and he started out, Matt, by by only rushing 4 for a large part of the first half. Then he brought some blitzes once the score 
was 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 just about uh, all but but uh, for not for for Dallas trying to make a comeback. If you look at Dak Prescott, fourteen of twenty nine passes. That's that's below fifty percent completion percentage with the one interception, only one hundred and thirty four yards. The job that Carlton Davis and, and Mike oh. Edwards and Antoine Winfield Jr. and Jamel Dean and and uh, Logan Ryan uh, did in the secondary, this, this grave digger secondary on CeeDee Lamb, 11 targets, two catches, 29 yards. Their best player was erased from, from this uh, stat sheet just about and just a great performance by Todd Bowles' defense tonight. Scott, they mentally checked C.D. Lamb out of that game. Like, he had so many balls go off his hands, and, you know, some of that was just not a good play by C.D. Lamb. Some of it was just the great coverage that that the Bucks had on him, and I, you could tell that he was checked out later in the game because, you know, the Cowboys were in scramble mode. They're down 16 with, like, you know, four minutes and under to go, and they're in, like, a hurry-up type of situation and CD like had ran a route where it essentially took him to the end zone or like the 10 yard line. And he just jogged back to the line of scrimmage as everyone else is lining up because they're trying to save as much time as possible. He was checked out. You could tell he was unhappy from that. And that's exactly what Tampa Bay's defense did. They were extremely aggressive. I thought Jamel Dean, obviously he was in competition for that number two cornerback position. He yeah. was very aggressive. He had a pass breakup. Um, didn't really allow anything behind him. Any play that was in front of him, he was there within a second. You know, it wasn't like he really let up a lot of cushion. Antoine Winfield Jr. obviously had the big interception, as you see on the screen here. He was making tackles at the line of scrimmage. He was all over the place. And Carlton Davis, again, just showing the caliber of corner that he is. He is, you know, he sticks to these receivers like yeah. glue. They do not have an inch of space. It's, it's truly, it, it's truly incredible what he does as a corner. It doesn't matter if it's your number one wide receiver, your number four wide receiver, whatever it is. Uh, he just gives you that tight, tight, intense coverage. Uh, he had a pass as well. Scott, you say that, you know, he's on these receivers so much, so tight on them that, you know, he's giving them no shade at all. Like there's absolutely no room whatsoever to get open. He's, he's covering you, shading you like, uh, like there's no tomorrow. And, um, you know, if you want your own private shade in your, you know, in your home, the best place to go and get that would be with Florida lanai curtains. Yeah. And listen, I've got some Florida lanai curtains installed on my house and it's just by far one of the best home investments I've made. Um, I, listen, we live in Florida, right? Because of the warm weather, we love the outdoors. We love our pools and our lanais. We love our Florida sunsets. We love getting out there and getting a tan too. But the most common complaints about spending time outside in Florida homes is the lack of privacy where these homes now, these communities even like mine, the homes are built right on top of each other. So you've got neighbors literally six, 10 feet away from you. And also the brutal heat of the warmer months. It's still hot here in September in Florida, even into October. So the lack of privacy and too much sun, don't let it drive you indoors and keep you from enjoying your screen-enclosed pool or your outdoor spaces as much as you would like. Florida Lanai Curtain solves these problems with their privacy-on-demand patented outdoor privacy curtain system and their custom-made screen-enclosed uh, shade sails. 
Their flexible installation options and high-quality products give you the privacy and the shade just where you need them. Privacy on demand outdoor curtains are made from the well-known Sunbrella brand of marine canvas. And that's why I went with Florida Lanai Curtains because these curtains are made of really tough, durable marine canvas. And so the, the weather, the wind, the rain, they're, they're not going to uh, wear down these curtains at all. Matter of fact, they're backed with a 10-year fade-free warranty and they're available in over 100 colors they will enhance the look and comfort of any outdoor space. Their unique shade sails are made from the Sola mesh uh, fabric, which has a 10-year warranty against degradation, and they're built to give you shade and UV protection from years to come. If you need privacy or shade, you want more freedom for your outdoor spaces and your lanai-enclosed pool, visit Florida Lanai Curtains website online at lanaicurtains.com. Please, please, please. It'll be one of the best home investments that you make. Find out about their amazing custom products and do your own instant hassle-free online estimate. Give them a call at 813-337-2511 to schedule a free in-home consultation. Again, a great home investment. You're going to love it. There's Florida Lanai Curtains. Visit them on the on, online at lanaicurtains.com. Scott, I also want to talk about the outside linebackers and the defensive line because yeah. outside of like Devin White, Levante David, and Carlton Davis, I think Joe Tryanchenka has a case, even though the stats don't totally, you know, back everything up. I thought Joe Tryanchenka played a great game as that full time starter on the outside. He obviously made the big play early on in the game when the Cowboys tried to get some trickery going. Um, Shaq Barrett ended up making the tackle, but the whole play was blown up by Joe Tryanchenka. Yeah. You talk about hustle. He was involved on so many plays oh, yeah. that were both around him and not around him. Right. He well, if, if you if you go back to that interception by Dak Prescott, it was his initial pressure that allowed Dak yeah. Prescott to step up in the pocket where Shaq Barrett was coming around the edge, and and Dak saw that that red jersey flash in front of him yeah. and just threw the ball. And if Anton Winfield wouldn't have picked it off. Carlton Davis would have had an interception, we think, because his hands are a little suspect. But but you saw Winfield step right in front of Davis, who was right in front of C.D. Lamb. And that would have been, I think, an interception either way. So, again, JTS, Shaq Barrett with some great pressure. And Vita Vea got a sack tonight, as well as Anthony Nelson, who came free for a big sack and, and to start off his contract here with the bank. Yeah, I was talking with Casey about just the overall depth. And, you know, you saw it with JTS playing great. I thought Shaq had a lot of good pressures, even though he didn't get the sack. I mean, I thought he was held on the play where um, it ended up, unfortunately, injuring Dak Prescott. And Jerry Jones announced after the game that Dak's going to need surgery and is going to be out a couple of weeks. Yeah. But I, I thought Shaq had a really good pressure there. Anthony Nelson gets the sack. Now, granted, he was untouched. So it was like, all right, well, good job. You know, you, you yeah. got untouched. You got to get to the quarterback. But you did your job. And I think that's, that's right. the overall depth. At outside linebacker, I thought Carl Nassib looked pretty good. You know, he got a couple of snaps in there and just, you know, showed the motor that he's always had when he was with the Bucks and, and uh, you know, on, on the Raiders the, the last two seasons. So I thought yeah. a great job by the outside linebackers. And then, as you said, Vita Vea gets the sack. Big moments for the Bucks again. I think that was one of their calling cards in the preseasons that they got a lot of sacks on third down. And I know at least, uh, you know, both the Devin Whites were on yeah. third down. Anthony Nelson, of course, again, was untouched. But, like, Vita pretty much wrapping in there at the end of that sack. Um, a lot of the pressure came in the second half. You know, I think all of their sacks were were in that second half. So, 
got better, got stronger as the game goes on. And I think to your point, that goes hand in hand with the Todd Bowl style of playing, which is don't need to go vertical every single time. We're going to kind of ground and pound you and get these long sustaining drives. And even though the Bucs weren't really scoring outside of the Mike Evans touchdown, which we can get to, um, you know, when you're running the ball effectively and moving it down the field, that is going to chew up the clock. That's going to keep your guys healthy. And when the Bucs always have a good rotation along the defensive line, you know, Nacho was in there. We saw Logan yeah. Hall a good amount. Will Golson obviously got, uh, you know, some important playing time. When you keep a team that already rotates their, their inside defensive line and their outside linebackers as well, you're going to keep them even fresher. And I think we really saw an even better. I mean, you only allowed three points, but they were even better in the second half because, uh, you know, their conditioning was was up to par. Yeah, and I think, too, we, we even saw Rashad White at the end of the game, the rookie. Uh, you know, his first game, it's, it's not going to be perfect. Uh, we saw him on his first carry just kind of freeze a little bit. He's yeah. Dance and toe tap. And and Matt, we talked about this before on the Peter report podcast. You have to praise Rashad White's vision and his patience in setting up blocks. But sometimes and this bears repeating. Sometimes the offensive play call that you have, if it's not blocked perfectly and if the defense calls the right defensive play to stop that run play, the most yards you might get is two yards. But the thing is, is you got to be able to recognize that quickly that the hole just isn't there. There's nowhere to go. And you got to stick your nose in and plow ahead and get those two yards rather than freeze like White did on that first carry and get tackled for no gain. Because now all of a sudden you're in second and 10 rather than second and eight. And that's going to catch up to you on third down. So um, overall, I, I think it was, it was a, you know, a solid showing by White. I've seen some some questions in the chat. Did Leonard, Leonard Fournette get hurt? I don't think he did. I didn't see any report about that after the game, uh, but I, I don't know that to be to be true. At the same time, though, with Leonard getting 21 carries and being targeted twice in the passing game, I think that he did the damage, right, 127 yards. They wanted to turn the ball over to Rashad White, get him some carries, and keep Lenny fresh for the Saints game because they're going to need him. Yeah, to try to knock off the Saints finally in the regular season and end this seven-game losing streak. But uh, the, it was interesting, right, because because uh, Keyshawn Vaughn was was inactive before the game, and so was, was Kyle Rudolph. And and that, that wasn't really a surprise to you and I because we're out there at training camp every day, Matt, and we saw Kyle Rudolph, and we, we both said, you know, Cam Brate looks better than Kyle Rudolph. You know, he does look slow. He doesn't have the best hands. And and I, I just think that they're really like these young tight ends. It showed the day. Both of those guys, Co Keeft and Kate Otten, were active. And uh, and for as, as great of a preseason as Keyshawn Vaughn had, you know, to be fourth string and 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 not be active and and have Giovanni Bernard, you know, be the, the number three back and and Rashad White, the rookie, be the number two back. You know, it's, it's kind of tough sledding for Vaughn because I think he did have a pretty good preseason. Rudolph, yeah, so, not so much. Yeah, sometimes it's just a, a numbers game. And, yeah, I, I understand that sometimes, yeah, you got a veteran player. It's like, oh, he's a veteran. He, he should get some playing time. But at one point or another, you have to find out if these rookies can, like, really play at this level. And in all honesty, and no offense to, to Cam Brate, 
but he was the worst tight end out of you know the three tight ends that, that played in the game. And Rashad White, I think this is a really good learning experience. He definitely kind of looked like a rookie out there when he was running. But I do think he did a solid job after that initial run. He had a couple of better runs up the middle. And then they had a third and one. And he only got one yard, but yeah. he was in a foot race with Micah Parsons. And he at least did enough to get the first down. Yeah. He also made a very wise play late in the game. Uh, was heading to the outside, was getting tackled, and decided to just go down to stay inbounds to keep that clock running versus yep. getting out of bounds. So I think it was a good learning experience for Rashad White. And yeah, for, for Kyle Rudolph, at this point, I think, and I said this on, on, on the live stream too, I think initially when they signed Kyle Rudolph, the plan was, okay, like he could be a backup tight end, the veteran presence type of guy. Co-Keefe strictly here for blocking, not much to do with, um, you know, a, as a receiver. I think Kate Otten was the real big question because he didn't participate in any of the, the off-season practices right. because he was coming back from that injury. So, you know, you can hope and expect that he's going to play well in training camp, but you can't just be like, oh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to be exactly. great and become the number two tight end. But – he surprised everyone and impressed the coaching staff during training camp to the point where it was like, okay, yeah, he's our guy. And Kyle Rudolph becomes the insurance policy guy that yep. we've kind of seen the Bucks do at wide receiver with accumulating all of these, uh, you know, veteran wide receivers and guys like that. We got a super chat from Leo. Thank you so much, Leo, for Appreciate staying that, up Leo. late with us. $5 super chat. He said a balanced team win altogether, pass and run game. Keith and Otten blocked a lot. I heard Godwin tell reporters he's fine. Any updates on Smith? Todd Bowles didn't have too many updates on yeah. him. Um, I do agree. Overall, like pretty balanced. Obviously, Tom Brady didn't throw the ball a ton. Passing game wasn't the best, but they were running it so effectively, they didn't have to rely on the passing game, nor do I think they should, especially with Micah Parsons. If he got a couple more opportunities, yeah. <laughs> he had two sacks in the game. He probably could have gotten four, just the right. way things were going with Josh Wells in there. So uh, a good balance, and I don't want to say it's going to be the blueprint for every single game, but yeah. especially against New Orleans next week, I think we could see something uh, kind of similar with just the the overall talent that the Saints have on defense. Well, yeah, you're talking about New Orleans next week, Matt, and uh, from from uh, from everybody that I've heard from, you all did a fantastic job. You and Casey Hudson hosting Pewter Game Day today if you missed that show be, be sure you go back and watch it on our youtube channel pewter report tv make sure when you go to pewter report tv you're subscribing we're on our way to ten thousand subscribers because of you all pewter people we really appreciate it you can join matt and casey next sunday live in-game analysis at one o'clock of course we're gonna have the pewter report the celsius pewter report uh, live tailgate show at the midtown walk-ons location and that, of course, is presented by Age Rejuvenation. That starts at 11 o'clock a.m. So 11 o'clock a.m. for the Pewter Report Tailgate Show, Celsius Pewter Report Tailgate Show presented by Age Rejuvenation. That's going to be at the Midtown Walk-Ons. We had a great time today at the Wesley Chapel Walk-Ons. Uh, met a lot of great Buccaneer fans out there. Age Rejuvenation was on hand along with Celsius handing out free cans of Celsius. So if you ever wanted to try some, join us next week, Sunday at 11 o'clock. Myself, J.C. Allen, Bailey Adams will be there, and also John Gilmore, former Bucks tight end, who did a great job with the analysis yeah. today at the Midtown location. That's just about minutes away from the stadium, 
And uh, we're looking forward to seeing everybody out there and for round two of Matt and Casey with the Pewter Game Day show. Yeah, you guys did a great job uh, during the, uh, the the tailgate show today. And uh, John is going to be another awesome addition. He had a lot yeah. of great insight today. It's cool hearing from former players, too. It know, is. They yeah. did it. They, they experienced it. So Yeah, and, and Gilly was one of my go-to guys in the locker room. So yeah. uh, he's he's really good about the analysis and and uh, and really knows the game. He's also just been hired as the, the new head coach at Sun Lake High School, which is where my daughter Very Jillian nice. cheers. And so we're excited that uh the john is, is taking on the sun lake seahawks program there and and he'll get that turned around uh in, in no time speaking of of turned around uh we've got plenty of great content on pewterreports.com we've turned around for you tonight we've got most impressive most disappointing we've got the game story up tomorrow we're going to have uh in the morning uh bucks monday mailbag we're also going to have the two-point conversion from yours truly my post-game column we're going to have uh, uh uh, snap counts uh, will be up in the morning as well as more analysis and, and more on Donovan Smith's injury and Chris Godwin's injury. As we learn that we're going to be having uh, Todd Bowles press conference at three o'clock. So uh, I'm not going to be down at one buck place, Matt. I'm not going to make it back up here in time for the Pew report podcast, but uh, we'll have that covered as well. And then we'll be back at four o'clock tomorrow for another edition of the Pew report podcast. And you want to come on Mondays. Mondays are fun because at 4.20, every Monday, we do this awesome thing. We started the summer called Roll Call. Roll Call. We want to know where you are at, Pewter people. We have so many awesome fans, especially everyone right now that's yeah. still up. Well, depending on where you are, but here on the East Coast, it is 12.54. We're closing in on 1 yep. o'clock a.m., and you guys are still up. Uh, reading all of our content. It's about 400 strong in the chat. Right we appreciate now. it. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate that a ton. So we want to know where you're watching from tomorrow. We got fans yep. all over, whether it's Tampa, the state of Florida, the West Coast, across the United States, yep. Brazil, China, Finland. We got fans all over the place. So uh, we want to interact with you guys and let yep. us know where you'll be watching from. Yeah. Make sure you join us on Mondays. Mondays are always fun. Not just because yes. it's the post game, but you know, the, the, the day after game podcast. But we also do roll call at 420 on Monday. So make sure and you're at the live show. It's a victory Monday. It is a victory Monday. Is, uh, yes. Very fun. Haven't had a victory Monday since, well, they lost all the preseason games. So yeah. we haven't had a victory day since the playoff victory over the yeah. Eagles. Hopster BP, this is true, man. You you, uh, you won, right? Yeah. <laughs> you won. That's pretty damn good. Wow. That's that's a hell of a hell of a haul right there. Um, I, I did bet on the Buccaneers. Uh, I bet... Um, I bet ten large on <laughs> on the Bucks when, when they were at minus one and a half, and then I said, eh, "Screw it, I'm going to go ahead and bet another ten large on the Bucks." That's that's twenty bucks for the Reynolds household. Yeah. I got four kids. So, hey, yeah. a, a win a win is a win. You know that's that's, that's really. I really took a bath on Saturday. It was a <laughs> bloodbath with my college picks on my bookie. So um, thankfully, I rebounded a little bit today in the pro game. I think I balanced out two wins, two losses before the Bucks win tonight. Those damn, uh, you know, Saints. I mean, they won. I picked the Saints to win, but they had to win by five and a half. Right. So at that point, I was just hoping the Falcons were going to win, just just to kind of spoil the Saints because now, yeah, exactly. It's like you lose and the Saints also win, which doesn't help the box. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. As Leo points out, and again, appreciate that super chat, Leo. I appreciate everybody's super chats, but Leo is always coming, stepping to the plate. We appreciate that. Saints looked so bad that offensive line and Falcons choked. I will say this: the Falcons did choke. 
They always do. So this is nothing new. But keep in mind, week one is always full of some surprises, right? I mean, if you look at, at just some of the scores uh, around the the NFL uh, on and week one, there was some shockers, right? I mean, uh, sorry, Matt, the, the Ravens beating your Jets 24 to 9, that wasn't much of a shocker. Hey, at least the Jets scored a touchdown. That's more yeah. than what Dallas yeah. did. Right. But but Minnesota uh, over Green Bay, 23 to 7. That's a bit yeah. of a head scratcher. The so Giants. Yeah, yeah. The Giants beating the Tennessee, Tennessee Titans 21 20. That's that's a little bit surprising as well. Uh, Pittsburgh beating Joe Flacco, not Joe Flacco. Uh, he played like Joe Flacco today, yeah. Joe Burrow, yeah. uh, with four interceptions. That was, a very, that was a very entertaining game. Like yeah. that was such a fun one to watch. Yeah. And just all the, the craziness involved with that. 23-20 overtime loss. And speaking of overtime, uh, the the Houston Texans, the lovey, the fighting Lovey Smiths, <laughs> give, give Matt Great Ryan game. and his new Indianapolis Colts team all they can handle in a 2020 kiss your sister overtime uh, tie, which nobody likes to see. I hate when games end in ties in the NFL. It's just so stupid. Just go to the college overtime rules yeah. and, and be done with it. Uh, the shellacking that the Chiefs put on the Arizona Cardinals yeah. and their awful defense, 44-21. Uh, so there, there were some surprises. I think you could say the Chicago Bears beating the 49ers. In a rain-soaked field. They essentially played in a flood. Uh, Shout out to, oh, sorry, the Cannon Fire podcast with the 199 Super Chat. Thank you very much. They said the Cowboys' ability to lose any game is hilarious. That is true. Anytime anytime there's still time on the clock, it's the potential for a loss for the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Scott, I'm curious to get your opinion on uh, what you saw from the – receivers today we talked about how the passing game struggled yeah. i think a lot of that had to do with the pass blocking of um you know uh, of the box offensive line we yeah. can talk about a lot about that tomorrow too when we get an update yeah. on donovan smith but i, would say, is, I yeah. would say the most surprising thing about the 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 uh, receiving core as a whole was how russell gage was only targeted two times caught both I, of those passes for 13 yards but yeah I just expected him to have a, a, a bigger role in this this offense. Got to go back and look at the tape. Maybe the coverage was was good. Right. Tom Brady is going to throw to the open guy. That's just how it is. Now there are a couple designated plays, like you saw the deep shot to Julio Jones. That was that was obviously you know the main target. And boy, th- did he connect with a forty eight yard bomb to Julio. Great throw by Brady. Great extension and catch by by Julio Jones downfield. Uh, and so I I just think that. That the Russell Gage performance—it's only week one. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna get better, obviously. But uh, I, I just thought that that, that was that was something, too. You know, uh, Julio uh, in in the the running game with some of those end arounds, that was a big surprise. Yeah. But but that, that catch right there was was just money, and that just uh, shows you Julio still has those wheels. So I would say that that I, I was not I was not um, surprised by by Julio because we saw. What he was capable of in training camp, but Russell Gage, you know, being a little quiet week one, that was probably the surprise for me. Especially when Chris Godwin was out for the rest of the game. Like there was enough time where Gage, you knew he was going to be playing the Chris Godwin type of role, and they hardly looked his way. Uh, I thought, yeah, Julio looked pretty good. Three receptions for 69 yards. Obviously, the 48 yarder was the huge play. I'm not really going to get on his case either. There was the other deep ball that it, it was like 
he was it was low to the ground, and he had to like try to catch it and stay inbounds. Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not gonna knock Julio for that. I right. will say between the end of rounds and some of the catches he made, I still get a little worried every time he gets hit a little bit. Where I'm like, is he okay? Yeah. Is he okay? Is he back yeah. up? Like especially after the the diving one. Right. I wasn't sure if he was like mad because he dropped the ball or if yeah. he uh, like like pulled something on the play. So yeah. a little, uh, still a little concerned anytime that he gets hit. And of course, Mike Evans was just he was Mike Evans. Five receptions, yeah. seventy-one yards. Uh, the Cowboys were crazy for going one-on-one against him at the goal line. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't go one-on-one against Mike Evans. He's going to beat you. Made right. a great one-handed catch beating uh, over over Trayvon Diggs. I mean, it was. Yeah. Was their best cornerback, Pro Bowl corner, and uh, you know, and I think Mike Mike Evans rises to the occasion in those opportunities. He loves going against the best of the best. He's going to go against Marshawn uh, Lattimore uh, in next week's game at New Orleans. So that that's that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Always is uh, Marshawn plays him pretty tough, and it will be interesting to see if if Evans can continue his. Uh, and, and Marshawn did not have a great game today, but we'll see if Mike Evans can continue. With uh, with another uh, good performance again, Evans leading the way with five catches for seventy one yards, one touchdown. Julio Jones right behind him, three catches, sixty nine yards. Chris Gobham before he exited the game, three catches, thirty five yards. And I know everyone's getting on Jalen Darn's case. Listen, I thought he performed better than he did last year when it when it comes to punt returns. Were there any like sensational returns today? No, but. No, he, Scott, I I thought he was average, fine. He was average nine point three yards. Yeah, yeah that, like that, that's, that's good. Like we gotta take baby steps. Yeah, baby steps exactly. We gotta yeah. take baby steps with Jalen Darn. I thought he did absolutely fine for his role. The one thing I was surprised if we're talking about the receivers, the amount of playing time that Rashad Perryman got. Uh, I guess some of it had to do with Chris Godwin getting injured, yeah. but I wasn't sold on on Perryman being on this team in the first place. I didn't think he did. Yeah. Much last year, outside of the touchdown against Buffalo, they like him. They like him. They like him. I just, I did not see anything yeah. from him again today that made me think this guy should be getting significant offensive snaps for the Bucks yeah. offense. And it was, I was saying it to Casey too. I just feel like Brashad Perryman has the opposite of the Midas touch. Like anytime the ball is near him, like crap happens. They did the end around with him. It was like the only end around that didn't work. That's they true. lost Minus seven yards on it. Yeah. <laughs> like anytime the yeah. ball's around him, it's either an incompletion or a loss of yards. There's just something about it. Yeah. I don't know what exactly, but outside of the Buffalo touchdown in overtime, it just, it's not working with Brashad Perriman. It's one game. I'm not going to overreact to it. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't like what I saw. Yeah, I mean, he's going to make one play in one game that's going to win it like he did Buffalo last year. I mean, yeah. he just has that knack. He kind of, you know, is like in stealth mode the entire game, or I should say the entire season. But there's like one or two games he rises up, and you're like, oh, he made a play. Okay, I can see why they have him, have him around. But but we shall see um, as this offense continues to progress. And I'll tell you, that this Saints game, you know, we'll get into it more during the week. But, but boy, this is really interesting because – you know, the Buccaneers, this could have been and should have been an absolute blowout. This should not yeah. have been a 16-point win. If Tampa Bay, if they convert even two of those field goals into touchdowns, right, that's eight more points. Now you're looking at, uh, what, a 27-3 to three win? Yeah. I mean, it's more convincing, yeah. right? So I, I just think that that this offense, once, once it's clicking on all cylinders, and again, they only played – 
one what two series in the, the preseason game, the last one of the yeah. season against the Colts. So this is still a work in progress, this offense. And uh, you, you've got so many new pieces there from the rookie tight ends, Coquif, then Kate Odden to the rookie left guard to the, the Robert Hainsey making his first uh, play or the first uh, start at center. Shaq Mason, his first game as a Buccaneer. So there, there's so much newness. This is this offense really is at its infancy. This is not Ali Marpet and Ryan Jensen in yeah. front of you. If you're Tom Brady and you're throwing, you know, for three, 400 yards a game and, and slinging the ball all, all over the yard. You got Russell Gage, who's new. You've got Julio Jones that's new. This might be a situation, Matt, where because of all of the newness on offense and the defense really is not so much new. A couple of new pieces, right? You've got Akeem Hicks, Logan Hall up front. But, I mean, right. you got, you got these – you got Levante David, who's a Buck Spring of Honor guy, you know, sooner rather than later. You got Pro Bowlers and Vita Vea, Antoine Winfield Jr., and uh, and Devin White. You've got the secondary that returns intact, and you throw in Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal. This defense might have to carry this this team a little bit to start the season. And I, I would not be surprised if the Buccaneers, again, you know, they averaged 31 points or 30 points per game uh, last year. If if some of these slow starts kind of continue now, at the same time, again, if if they click in the red zone, Matt, with some, instead of some of these field goals, this game could have gotten close to thirty points and maybe even yeah. over. So I don't want to to knock this offense too much, but I just I'm thinking the best part of this offense, if Donovan Smith can return healthy and Chris Godwin can can get back to health sooner rather than later, the best part of this offense might not be hitting its stride till the middle of the season. Yeah, and I think what was so great about this game is we have high expectations for the defense now that especially, one, that they're healthy across the board, and two, they got better or quicker front on the defensive line, and we're expecting a bounce back from, you know, Dev White and Vontae Dave this year. So the defense, we have high expectations for them, and they have high expectations for themselves. I've been saying I think they're going to be a top-five defense this year. They showed that in the first game of the season. And on the offensive side of the ball, it was so great because the defense did what they expected of themselves and what we expected of them, all right? They yeah. only allowed three points, they got sacks, and they got a turnover. Yeah. The offense, there were positives to take away from it, whether it was the deep shot to Julio. Obviously, the run game was an A+. Right. But they clearly were not at their best. And with that said, they were still moving the ball. It wasn't like they struggled to get right. first downs and things like that. They struggled past midfield and in the red zone and, uh, yeah, moving it forward. So yeah. I think that's that was the beauty of this game is the defense did what they need to do. And the offense, there was things you could turn to and say, hey, I like that. That was mm -hmm. good. But it was also clear with the understanding of they yeah. still have a ways to go. And it's important that they got this win. Because especially this first month of the season, the Saints next week, right. the Chiefs, Packers, obviously two great offenses. Uh, I think it's important they have to split this first month of the they season. They have to at least. least go two and two. And they already went one and oh. So by the time they get to October and that schedule lightens up a little bit, I know they, they play Pittsburgh next month, but they just lost TJ Watt. And it looked like it's a torn peck, so he could be out for a while. Oh, you play some of these lesser teams, and your offense really gets in rhythm and, and gets going. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a lot better. You know, they have things that they can work on. And if you want to work on your own body, especially if you're getting up there in age, uh, you should definitely use age rejuvenation. As we age. 
when I got over 40, all of a sudden I didn't have the same kind of energy that I used to have and I was sluggish all the time and I wasn't sleeping right and I started to have uh, some sweats when I was sleeping and different things that as I looked into it I found out could be uh, a lack of testosterone or low testosterone. So I reached out, I know, I've know i known Brett and everybody here at Age Rejuvenation for a long time so I knew that they were the right people to help me. They did look at all of my testosterone levels and all of my hormone levels and found that my testosterone was very low. So they put me on the pellets which I love because there's something about not having to take a shot every week and doing six months at a time that really is convenient. My wife certainly noticed the difference, just my energy day to day, how motivated I was when I got up in the morning to just get up and start doing things as opposed to laying around the house and being unmotivated. All of a sudden I was like looking for projects, looking for things to do around. Don't tell her I said that, but looking for things to do around the house. Well, listen, uh, I have to agree with Pat. Um, I, I'm a new age rejuvenation customer myself, and it, it takes about three weeks for the, for the, uh, the hormone replacement the therapy to, to kind of kick in. Uh, and, and I'm feeling it now. The energy, uh, the I'm sleeping better at night, those are some things that I've really noticed. Uh, listen, guys, if you want to feel better, go to age rejuvenation. Lose weight, feel great, have better sex. You might have seen the Age Rejuvenation as the new sponsor for my SRS Fab 5, ColumnOnPeterReport.com. They also sponsor the Celsius Peter Report tailgate show. And uh, I could not rave more about Age Rejuvenation. John is a client. He's been doing Age Rejuvenation for about a year. I've been doing it for about a month. I can already feel the difference. I do feel younger. I turned 50 this year. And energy did become a big problem because I have low testosterone like most men start to get in their 40s and 50s. And it doesn't get any better into your 60s and 70s. It's just nature, fellas. But there's something you can do about it. Low testosterone affects everything from weight loss to energy to stamina. And now there's a way to fight it. And that's with, with the testosterone therapy at age rejuvenation. I did it. I encourage you. If you have low energy, if you feel tired, if you're not sleeping well at night, if you're struggling to lose weight, give Age Rejuvenation a call. Visit them on the web at agerejuvenation.com. With five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you, you can lose weight, feel great, have better sex with Age Rejuvenation. A lot of stuff we got into on today's show, Scott. Um, we'll have more tomorrow on tomorrow's Pewter Report podcast at 4 p.m. Again, we'll uh, we'll hear from... Todd Bowles at 3 p.m., where especially we're going to get updates uh, on Chris Godwin and Donovan Smith. Those were obviously the two big injuries that the Bucs unfortunately sustained uh, in the game today. Uh, definitely looking forward to looking back at the tape, especially with Russell Gage, as we talked about. Um, didn't see a ton of involvement in the past game. Obviously, we saw with the receivers. I know we're wrapping up here, but not much from the tight ends. They were more focused on uh, running. And not too much in the past game to the running backs, which we thought was going to be a big staple this year. I think Leonard Fournette only had two catches and uh, Rashad White uh, only had a couple of catches yeah. too. But it's only one game, you know, as we're talking right. about, there's a yeah. lot of improvements to go from there. But that was one of the things that uh, stood out to me a little bit. Yep. Well, listen, uh, we, we greatly appreciate uh, not just the Buccaneers for coming through with the fun game to talk about tonight, that 19-3 win, which you pewter people seem to love. Uh, maybe not the most exciting uh, 
you know, offensive explosion type game that you might have seen in years past when the Buccaneers averaged 31, uh, 30 points per game, et cetera. But at the same time, for Todd Bowles, this was, this was win number one, and he won it his way with kind of like Dungy Ball. We're going to call it Bowles Ball. Uh, great defense, strong running game, uh, you know, get – Get uh, get out of there uh, with with the road win and move on to New Orleans uh, the next week, and uh, so I, I'm I'm pretty pretty fired up about this win for Todd Bowles. Um, you know, just the way it happened, it's it's very Todd Bowles esque. So uh, that was great to see. It's also great to see all you pewter people in here at one o'clock, one uh, twelve a.m. Eastern time. A um, little bit earlier for you people out there in the uh, Central Mountain and Western time zones. But we greatly appreciate everybody for tuning in to the Pewter Report podcast. We're going to be back at 4 o'clock tomorrow, Matt. And then again, remember, next Sunday, we're going to be doing Pewter Report Tailgate Show live at Walk-On. So make sure you join us out there at the Walk-Ons at the Midtown location in Tampa. And that precedes the Pewter game day show that's live in-game analysis matt matera casey hudson we'll be back next sunday one o'clock p.m eastern time and we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the pewter report podcast for matt matera i'm scott reynolds saying we'll see you tomorrow out out